Hi, I'm Trevor. And I'm Laura. We're married, and we like to do a lot of different things together. But what got us together initially was that we love to eat and we like to drink. And we love to learn how our favorite foods and beverages came to be. In each episode of this podcast, we'll talk about something delicious and answer the question, Where did this come from? Recording this on Valentine's Day, Ooh. the most romantic day of the year if you've been married for five or more years. Yes. Yeah. You know, we did super romantic stuff. Like, I cleaned the pantry. Yes. <laughs> Which is important. It was. It's important. It, but, it like, is. you went on a tear. Like, you start pulling into the... Once Laura gets something in her craw, I like to say around here, <laughs> she can't... She can't let it stop. Go. She can't let it go until it is out of her craw or it has been accomplished. Yeah. Which, honestly... I love that because when she's on her tear, things get done. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't happen like all the time, but I don't know, maybe like once a month or once every couple months. Yeah. I just like, I need to organize or like something drives me to the point where it's just like, I can't take this anymore. I have to clean it. And today and now, it was the very romantic task of completely blowing up our pantry. Yeah. And, and some of our, our kitchen drawers. Yeah. So. It looks well, really good now, though. It looks fantastic. Like, I'm sure, like, a lot of people, like, during the last almost full year of COVID at this point, which is oh mind-blowing, yeah. a good, like, two to three feet of our counter in our kitchen has just been annexed by old mail and... Crap and... For some reason, there was a, a drill there today. <laughs> I know. We were hanging pictures I think it's because so. we don't have people come over our house anymore, and, like, I like a clean house, but I think having... People come over regularly, which in normal times yeah. we usually have like yeah. at least someone stopping by I mean, at some point in the weekend. We love to host. We're we're two feeders born of feeders, so we like having people over for dinner yeah. parties and stuff like that. But and that always like forces you to like okay, well we need to like clean up the house and pick up right. And when there isn't that and there's no like <laughs> sight of that on the horizon, it's really hard to just be like yeah. I'm gonna clean all this stuff. Yeah. So Absolutely. anyway, it was driving me crazy. So we so got yes. clear counters. Some romantic clear counters here on <laughs> Valentine's Day. Um, well, I think we should get into it. Yeah, let's do it. Season two. Welcome back, everybody, to the start of the second season of Where Did This Come From? The podcast where we talk about all things delicious and their origin stories. I'm Trevor. And I'm Laura. And we are so thrilled to be back and recording new tasty episodes for you all. Uh, I'm a little rusty. I'm not going to lie. Feel a little. We're I got the weird rusty. nerves after. Don't did be nervous. Twenty episodes last season, and I'm like, <laughs> uh, uh, I gotta get it right. I gotta get it right. Um, speaking of the show itself, before we dive into this week's topic, let's chat a little bit on the new schedule for the show that we're gonna run with this season. So, yeah. we're shaking things up a little bit here for season two. So we had been doing a full uh, episode every single week in our first season, uh, but now we're gonna be stretching that out to every other week. Yeah. And in between, we're going to try doing some mini-sodes every other week. So you'll still hear from us on a weekly basis because we know that you miss us so much. (laughs) Um, We like to think anyway. Yeah. Uh, But doing like quick like 10-minute episodes on some of the topics that are interesting but maybe don't have enough content for a full episode. So I've got a couple in mind and I think Trevor does too. So we're going to sprinkle those in. All right. 
Let's get moving. Got the business out of the way now. Let's dive into this week's topic. So today, as this is airing, of course, we already let the cat out of the bag. We're recording this on Valentine's Day, of course, but today is President's Day, right? Monday, President's Day, but it also has another name, Lundigras, the lesser known day before Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras, that's right. Tomorrow is Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday. The last day to gorge on all things delicious, hedonistic, fatty, boozy, before the start of Lent on yep. Ash Wednesday. Um, so, in honor of the end of carnival season this year, we're kicking off season two by talking about the sweet treat that is king cake. Mm. Yeah. Now, if you don't know what king cake is, I'm very sorry, first of all, because it's absolutely delicious. Um, but the king cake that we're used to here in the States is a sweet circular pastry cake or bread that's the centerpiece of a historically Catholic celebration known as Epiphany, which falls actually on January 6th. Hmm. Yeah. Also okay. known as Three Kings Day in some oh, other cultures, okay. too. Hence the name King Cake. Um, so oh, Epiphany, I never put that together. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So um, for those folks who might not be super religious out there or don't know what Epiphany is, Epiphany is the day that the kings arrived in Bethlehem and presented gifts to little eight-pound, five-ounce baby Jesus on the 12th night after his birth. Or hence the 12 days of Christmas leading up to Epiphany. Oh. Also never made that connection before. Wait, so the 12 days of Christmas it's a, are after. Well, it's after Christmas. Christmas, yeah, Christmas is day was, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's um, funny. Yeah. I so I, Yeah, me neither. I was like, what's so significant about the 12 days before Christmas? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's actually the 12 days of Christmas starting with Christmas. Um, sure. So today it takes on many different forms, king cake. Um, and it's found in a variety of similar celebrations with religious origins. Uh, but most Americans, including us, are most likely familiar with the Louisiana-style king cakes that consist of a cakey bread dough twisted into a ring and decorated with colored icing and sprinkles. Yeah. Which are... It's usually green and purple sprinkles. Yes. Right. Yeah, the, the purple, green, and gold colors purple, of green. Mardi Gras, which yeah. we're going to get into a little bit of that later on. Um, but yeah, most people are used to that Louisiana-style uh, king cake here in the States at this point. Now, variants of king cake can be made from cake batter or bread dough or pastry dough, uh, but almost all versions are shaped into a circle or an oval to mimic the appearance of a king's crown. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It kind of tastes like, for people that haven't tried it before, it's sort of like a brioche. Yeah, like a brioche cinnamon roll. Yeah, yeah. Which like, is as good as it sounds. It's really good. and it has it's like fantastic. frosting on it. Oh, yeah. Like a glaze frosting. Not, yeah. Not too intense with the frosting. Yeah, no, it's 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 Good. perfect. It's nicely balanced. It's perfectly balanced. Uh, now, it would seem to be a safe assumption, based on what we were talking about, that King's Cake um, has its roots in Christianity. But some can actually trace it further back to an ancient pagan Roman pagan. <laughs> I am reading from my notes, and I know the word pagan is actually pagan. Uh, so we're leaving. Okay, it's in. not a word that I we like you, say. I'm, I'm rusty. I'm totally rusty. Um, but it can actually be traced back to an ancient pagan Roman festival. So held throughout the Roman Empire, Saturnalia was a winter solstice celebration that was honoring Saturn, which was okay. actually the god of agriculture in the Roman um, world. Uh, and in ancient times, fava beans were believed to be magical, and they were also used for voting purposes too like you would actually put a, a fava oh, bean into a box basically mm. so in the roman times the cakes were made to celebrate the harvest 
And according to uh, Le Rouge Gastronomique, which is like the world encyclopedia to all things in the culinary world, uh, quote, during the Saturnalia, the king of the day was chosen by lot using a bean concealed in a galette. It was only in the Middle Ages that this cake ceremony began to be associated with the Festival of Epiphany. So it wasn't until the Middle Ages that this kind of traditionally pagan cake celebrate cake tied to celebration like this yeah. was kind of drawn and pulled up into Epiphany because they happened okay. around the same time. So wait, they would use beans to do what? They'd hide them in the cake to vote? No, no, they, the the voting was just another point. Like they used fava beans for a lot of different things that were important to them. Gotcha. Um, So they would use fava beans for voting, but But they they had a magical connotation. So they would use them for celebrations as well. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So the pagan religious fusion of the holidays resulted in this kind of raucous, hedonistic span of time filled with boozing, dancing, Dressing up in costumes, gambling, um, pretty much all the bad parts of society that people would think of back then, all mixed together with a tiny dash of religion in there. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of like their way to to let loose in the Middle Ages kind of thing. It was yeah. a much more of a strict Christian world at that time. And it was still from January 6th to... It was pretty much predominantly on January 6th. Oh, okay. So it was one day. It was the king cake itself. But it was them stretching out. The the period of celebration, yes, you're right, was from King's Day or Three Kings Day, Epiphany, until Mardi Gras. So that span of time was still the same. But really they were using the king cake on just that one day, as opposed to how we kind of use it now, which is like over the couple months spanning Mm. Epiphany to Mardi Gras. Okay. So the time frame, the specific time frame was brought by the like religious Catholic side. Previously, exactly. the pagan it was part the was solstice. just like the solstice. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, the tradition of baking the bean into the cake carried over. Um, mm-hmm. And it now signified the visit of the three kings, but still stayed true to the roots, uh, its pagan roots, by, reinst- uh, by retaining the tradition of electing a mock king. So that came from the pagan. So whoever got the bean was the fake king? Was the king for the day, if you Uh, will. Now, he became became known as the king of the bean. King of the bean uh, because of how he was chosen, but also the lord of misrule because Mm. of the uh, the mayhem that would always occur when he presided over carnival. Interesting. Yeah. The lord of misrule. Mm. So when there was actually a king, what, like... Do they always just like give the king the bean? <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> I think the king was still the king. I don't oh, think it was yeah. like not the king anymore. But I feel like kings back in the day would not even like having a a fake king. I don't know. Maybe unless they wanted to be. I mean, they still wanted a vacation because, like, during carnival, um, the, the research that they found was like hierarchical structures were turned upside down, roles were reversed, and usually, was like, just yeah, social crazy. order was suspended. Interesting. Almost. For, and that's why things were just so, for lack of a better term, like, yeah, batshit crazy for like two months almost. Um, so there's a Russian philosopher named Mikhail Bakhtin. I might be butchering his name. I'm sorry. I don't think he's still alive. But um, he believed that the crowning and decrowning of the mock king was just central to all of this. It was like a playful way to manipulate the everyday world for a short period of time. Hmm. 
And all of this led to a sense of being liberated from official uh, social and behavioral norms, at least for a small period of the year. Hmm. It's like the purge. <laughs> it kind of is like the party purge, if you will. Yeah. Which, I mean, you think about how a lot of people, I mean, we'll touch on this a little bit later. We actually had the the great pleasure of going to Mardi Gras in New Orleans a couple of years ago with friends of ours who are locals from down there. And we saw like the real local side of it. But a lot of people's connotations with it is like just the the Bourbon Street part of it, where it's just right. crazy. Yeah. Throwing beads, people taking their shirts off and just yeah. drunken debauchery everywhere, which is you can kind of see the line drawn from medieval right. times to that. Right. Yeah, when we went to Mardi Gras, we were both surprised at how like family friendly it was. Like people just bring their kids to parades and yeah. I mean obviously not the ones that you see on like no, not the MTV night parades. Or like, whatever. <laughs> I don't know if people watch MTV Girls gone still. Wild. Yeah. Um, but there's like all these different types of parades and some of them yeah. are known to be like more family friendly and you know, people it's just like a bunch of normal people hanging out. Yeah. I mean they even make like special ladders with bench seating on top of them so the kids can see over the crowd yeah, and see all the parades. It's adorable. Yeah. Yeah, very family friendly. Yeah. for for carnival in in uh, in New Orleans. Honestly, if you know when things are, I'd I'd say fully normal again. I don't know if things will ever be fully normal again, uh, society wise. But normal enough to have Mardi Gras in the way that it had been had in the past in New Orleans. I would highly suggest everyone out there to go at least once. Yeah. Just go. Just check it out. But also, if you if you can somehow tap into some local knowledge, do that first. Right. Because we would have been absolutely lost. Yes, it that is, is true. In every sense of the word, it is sensory overload. Right. Um, sight, well, sense, and you kind of have taste. to know, like, what the different crews, like, which are the yeah. great parades that you shouldn't miss and, like, all the locations. What and... to avoid if you want to avoid certain craziness. Right. Um, but it is... It's really quite so a spectacle. Amazing. Like it's Absolutely just really amazing. cool. And like literally everything from how it's how it's organized, how it's run, what you're going to experience while you're there, music, food, culture, and literally down to the cleanup. Oh my gosh, the cleanup was like fascinating. Amazing. Because these these crews are throwing, it's they're called throws, but I mean it's it's the beads. It's like all kinds of crazy little almost like dollar like trinkets, store toys, yeah. trinkets with It does their, generate a lot of trash but, and plastic. And it's and it's but. it's like encouraged for you to throw the bags that these throws come in on the ground and we were very uncomfortable with it. But our friend our friends Pat and Katie who have been he's Pat's from there. They were like, it's fine. You'll see what happens after the parade rolls through. And sure enough, after the parade rolls through, everyone clears out of the street. And this armada of cleaning crews come. It's people with literally rakes and shovels that are like raking and shoveling all the garbage into the middle of the road. And then these giant, they're like street cleaner trash eating trucks. Yeah. Come rolling down the street, eating the trash. It's like a giant vacuum. Yeah. And then they're spraying this soapy water all over the road so within 30 minutes of these parades being done the road is almost like spotless clean totally again. pristine and the like, garbage is gone beautiful yeah and actually hasn't 
decently clean smell afterwards. It's like a nice fresh soapy smell. <laughs> it's like you just cleaned your car yeah. smell. It was actually like fascinating to watch the trash trucks. We were like, wait, wait, can we watch them clean up there? We're like, we just you've watched them clean up the last three parades, guys. <laughs> like, we gotta get to the next parade. This is ridiculous. Uh, but yeah. for people who hadn't seen it before, it was yeah, it was it's, quite it's actually quite impressive. And if you can't get down there for Carnival or Mardi Gras, just go. Honestly, the city is unbelievable. Um I'm a musician by nature and the music scene there is second to none it's just every single place you turn there's live music it is um you know the cradle of some of the country's best music you know louis armstrong is from new orleans and as a trumpeter that's a huge deal for me and it's just an unbelievable place um just a really special place there's a whole energy and vibe about it and the people there are just absolutely delightful and welcoming and warm and oh my god the food Mm, we could yeah. do a whole season of just a tour of New Orleans restaurants, oh to be honest with you. I do remember the first time we went, um, which was that for Katie and Patrick's wedding? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So we ate just like the best food the whole time. It was, oh my God, so good. Oh, yeah. But I do remember getting home after four days and like craving a salad. Like, yes. I don't think I've ever yes. craved a salad before in my life. Yeah. Yeah, it was the first time. <laughs> I was like, I just really need to, like, eat a vegetable. <laughs> the hardest part, honestly. That's this, not fried. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. I mean, it was good. I'm going to get some fried okra. The, um, one of the hardest parts for me was just getting used to not having a Bloody Mary every day with, with breakfast when we yeah. got back. Yeah. It's just, you kind of slip in. I mean, it's called the it's Big like vacation Easy. vacation mode. It's called the Big Easy, and... I didn't understand why until I was there. It is laid back. Yeah. It's a fantastic place. So highly recommend checking it out. Totally. Yep. Uh, now, needless to say, all this crazy debauchery, um, the church frowned upon, as you can probably imagine. <laughs> it did not like it. It did not like what was happening. Uh, but eventually, the it all they started condoning it to an extent it was even seen as like a necessary period of fun and games before like the really serious fasting and abstinence of Lent kicked in mm-hmm. on Ash Wednesday. Now, epiphany cakes and traditions were found all throughout Europe. It wasn't just specific to one particular area. So in England, it was known as Twelfth Night Cake, which I like mm-hmm. both for the fact that it was the Twelfth Night and its ties to um, Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Uh, the Portuguese had the Bolo Rey. And the Rosca de Reyes could be found in Spain. Now, in France, the king's cake is known as Gâteau de Roi. So, literally, cake of the king. cake of the kings. It was first mentioned in the 1300s. The cake was popular throughout the entire country. And in, like, a, an effort kind of to remove the pagan connotations, because Catholic Church didn't love pagan ties, obviously, the fava bean was replaced uh, with a porcelain figurine of a crowned head which was honoring the three biblical kings or the magi. Mm. Yeah. Now, this definitely made the priests feel better about it at the time, um, but things got really political for the, the pastry itself during the French Revolution. Mm. A lot of things went sideways, uh, and any uh, kind of a connotation or association with kings was highly controversial. Right. Even calling something king. Cake, yeah, right. was was not a good yeah, thing. That word that must not be said. Yeah. They who must not be named. Yeah. So in 1794, the mayor of Paris actually tried to ban king cake from Mm. the city. And he even said, and put an end to the holiday. And he was quoted as saying, 
discover and arrest the criminal patissier and their filthy orgies, which dare to honor the shades of the tyrants. Ooh. For a delicious cake. Yeah. Now, for so the mo- was he successful? No, yeah. for the most part, he was ignored, as you can yeah. probably imagine. Uh, but he had to he had to resettle he had to settle just for renaming the cake. Okay. So they renamed it Le Gâteau des Sans Culottes, which translates to the cake of the men without pants. Oh well, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> I guess it does, considering the partying that was going on, and this was done to honor the lower class revolutionaries uh, during the revolution. It's kind of like a backhanded were, compliment. Kind of is. They were nicknamed for their fashion, which. I couldn't tell in research it meant they just walked around without pants. Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they were wearing short shorts. I have no idea. Yeah, I, I don't. I remember culottes are like full-length pants. They're just kind of balloony, I think. Well, I don't know. Like, women's culottes are usually shorts, but. Oh, well, then maybe that's what it was. Maybe men were wearing shorts at the time. Maybe. And that's how they signified their revolutionary status was by showing Not off their. pants. Showing off their <laughs> sweet gams. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so the cake obviously survived uh, the revolution and eventually made its way across the Atlantic to the colonies. Wait, in France, do they still call it the cake for... No, it's, it's got it's to be back to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's part, I think, based on what I read. disappointing, actually. I know. <laughs> the cake of the men with no pants. Sorry. No, it's fine. I mean, it made it to the New World. Okay. Um, much like a lot of the stuff from Europe did eventually once people started settling here. Uh, and it's actually believed the festivities of Carnival were brought to Louisiana by a French-Canadian explorer, Pierre Lemoyne Sieur de Iberville, which, again, I might be slaughtering that name. But so Pierre uh, had led an expedition on behalf of the French crown. And on March 2nd, 1699, he set up camp along the Mississippi River, uh, roughly 60 miles south of what present day or where present day New Orleans actually is. And it just so happened that it was Lundi Gras. So the next day was Mardi Gras. So began the celebration around New uh-huh. Orleans, as the story goes. I don't know how accurate that is, but right. ties it up in a nice little package with a nice neat little bow. So I, yeah. like, I like to think that's how it actually happened. Yeah, but probably not. <laughs> Most likely there was something terrible. I don't know. Yeah. So when it was introduced to New Orleans, uh, the type of cake varied depending on the region in France the settlers were actually from. Mm. So in northern France, the confection is usually like a flaky, a flaky, flaky, flaky puff pastry that was filled with almond cream. Ooh, that sounds, sounds good too. Fantastic! <laughs> it sounds so good. It's like a big circular almond croissant. Mm, yes, I am mm. on board. On board. Uh, the cake served today, though, is uh, apparently most typically the fashion of southern France, which was a sweet yeast bread shaped to form a crepe. Now, the New Orleans version has its own touches. We touched on this a little bit earlier, but the official colors of Mardi Gras, uh, which were actually created in 1872 by the crew of Rex, hmm. which for anyone who isn't familiar with Mardi Gras tradition, and we're barely familiar with Mardi Gras yeah, tradition. So we only scratched the surface. Barely. So. <laughs> um, there's this whole, um, there's all these crews. So the yes. term crew kind of indicates like, basically it's like a social club. It's almost like fraternities and sororities for for adults. For people outside of college. Yeah, exactly. And they do different philanthropic things and charitable things throughout the year. And then each crew puts their own float together. And that's where the floats come from and all these different parades. Um, So the crew of Rex in 1872 um, had their colors were purple, green, and gold. 
So they actually stand for something, the colors mm-hmm. of Mardi Gras. So purple mm-hmm. is for justice, green is for faith, and gold is for power. Mm-hmm. And all of those colors are traditionally now added to the, the New Orleans king cake as decoration in either sprinkle form or powder um, colored sugar form, yeah. things like that. So that's how the, the Mardi Gras colors came to be. The crew of Rex basically either either they donated their colors to all of Mardi Gras or Mardi Gras just like annexed the colors from yeah, Crew of Rex and became a thing. So how do you make king cake? Um, I'm not going to go into these step-by-step instructions. There's recipes all over the place online. Um, most people, from what I can tell, most people in the New Orleans area actually buy their king cakes from actual reputable bakeries. Right. Like it's Manny probably Rendazzo's. just easier to make it or buy it than make it yourself, Yeah, I would think. There's a few of them out there, uh, and by a few I mean a lot, but the one we're familiar with is Manny Rendazzo's uh, in Metairie, Louisiana, which is, since it's the only one we've had, we think it's the best, so we're biased. <laughs> um, but there's so many king cakes, and you can actually ship them around the country um, but only during the appropriate period of the year. Mm. They're not open year-round. Oh, really? You can't get king cake year-round, from at least from Manny Rendazzo's. Okay. I don't know about other bakeries. Um, but they I guess open, that makes sense because it would yeah, be special four. if it, yeah. you could get it anytime. Exactly. So they open mid-December, and you can pretty much get them all the way up until Mardi Gras. Right. And then ch- And what's the, the biggest size that you can get? I don't remember. Um, I think it was like 42 inches. Oh, actually, I have, I have I have the Rondazzo website open right in front of me. Let me let me see. It might be the Super King Cake. I don't know. This is off of the shelf, though, so they might make custom oh, sizes. Right. But, like, you can go into their bakery and be like, I want this yeah, size. The Super King Cake, it says it has 40 to 48 two-inch slices. Um, it weighs four pounds, and it measures 16 by 24 inches. It's like a foot and a half by two feet. Yeah. Sizable. Yeah, it's pretty big. It's pretty big. It's pretty big. Pretty huge, if you ask me. Um, every single bite is delicious. Uh, but to make king cake, I digress, um, as I usually do. Uh, a sweet dough is twisted into a round and sometimes adorned with colored sugar doughs before being baked. So sometimes the doughs are actually colored themselves. Oh, yeah. Um, hmm. Some versions are split and then filled with cream or fruit. Because are, there are like a whole different... It's not just there's one. There's like a lot of variation. There's the traditional king cake, but you can get like a, a pecan praline king cake, like mm. a holiday version of the king cake. Um, some of them have candied fruit, icing, colored sugar. Again, the Louisiana-style king cake is almost always decorated in the Mardi Gras colors of green, gold, and purple. And every single variant is fantastic and delicious and amazing with a hot cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah. Our friend from New Orleans uh, gave us... The recommendation of having it with coffee in the morning, and it was spot on. Absolutely spot on. Um, are you going to talk about the baby? Yeah, I'm going to talk about the baby. Did I not talk about the baby yet? Well, you talked about the the evolving from a fava bean to the little crowned head. But in New Orleans, it comes with a little oh plastic God. baby. I didn't have... I. In my head, I had a whole section on the baby in my notes, and I'm going through my notes, and I don't have a section on the baby. So yeah, in the States, they started adding a, it was essentially, it was a porcelain baby to represent the baby Jesus <laughs> in the king cake. And as opposed to the fava bean, right? You get the fava bean. The If you get the baby in the king cake, you are the king for the day. And the tradition states that if you get the baby in the king cake, 
which we've both have gotten the king or the baby and the king cake <laughs> and have yet to reciprocate on this. But you're supposed to host the next party and buy the next king cake. Yep. So we owe a couple of king cakes to some people. Yeah. Uh, who are probably listening right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so once Rendazos is open again next year, we will uh, we'll try to get some shipped back up here. And uh, we'll get you the king cakes that you are duly owed. <laughs> Um, yes. So I'm sorry I didn't touch on the baby. That's so weird. It's like my favorite part. And now it's a plastic baby. They switched in like the fifties to a plastic baby because it was, it was easier to, easier to get more affordable and a little less dangerous if you were to bite into a plastic baby. They kind of just like stick it in the bottom of the cake. Obviously it's not baked in because it's plastic now, but they are kind of funny looking babies. It is, uh, a wildly detailed baby butt. (laughs) Which you might have seen at this point in some photos that we probably put together. Uh, but it is very defined. This this baby does squats. I'll just put it that way. Like It's a very defined baby butt. Um, every time I see it, it cracks me up. Because the first thing you cracks see you is up. the butt. Look what uh. I did. I didn't even know I did that. <laughs> if you turn over your piece of king cake and you have the baby, the first thing you see is just a little plastic butt sticking out of your cake. Yeah, it's pretty comical. It is. Enough about baby butts. So king cake in other countries. Um, I mentioned briefly a little bit earlier that some other types of king cakes are um, in other countries around the world. But I'll get a little more into depth on those because they all sound tasty for different reasons. So in France, we talked about this. So the, the gâteau de roi or galette de roi uh, translates as cake of kings. You know, it's generally a flaky pastry cake made from puff pastry that's filled with frangipan almond cream or occasionally fruit or chocolates could be filled into the cake as well. And a decorative pattern is scored into the top of it before baking. And sometimes the finished cake is actually topped with a little paper crown. Oh, so cute. looking at pictures of it online, it just looks like a just looks like a crown. It's like a baked, delicious crown. Uh, traditionally in France, they put the bean inside. They bake it inside of the cake. Mm-hmm. Oh, so they still use the bean. Still use the bean in France. Um, or traditionally anyway, it says here. I'm not sure if they changed it in France. Yeah. So the Rosco de Reyes, served in Spain and Latin America, is a ring-shaped sweetbread. It can also be topped with candied fruit, in addition to a light layer of icing. So think of, like, similar to what we know today, but has, like, candied fruit across mm. the top of it. I don't know how I feel about that. It looks pretty good. Okay. But I mean, I would try it, but... We don't eat a lot of candied fruit, either. Right. Not our thing. Yeah. The Bolo Rey, the Portuguese version of the king cake, is also ring-shaped, and filled with candied fruit and sometimes mm. nuts. Kind of like, like panettone. Kind of like panettone, yeah. Panettone. Mm. Um, I feel like I'd rather it be on top and inside because it's more of like a, yeah, a surprise I'm not ready for inside. As we know from the Great British Bake Off, it's very difficult to bake, have a good bake with oh. the fruit inside because it can all sink to the bottom. It's true. Lots well, of nice bake. <laughs> Solid bake. Stove roll in the middle. The nice, even layer of brown all around the edges. We've been watching a lot of Great British Bake Off uh, in the time that we haven't been recording. Two full seasons of it, actually. So I'll randomly just drop into a terrible Paul Hollywood impression. Anyway, uh, in Bulgaria, Bonitsa, I think I'm saying that right, Bonitsa is generally served on New Year's Eve uh, and also on other special occasions like weddings or festivals. And it's sheets of phyllo dough. Wrapped around soft cheese. Oh. And contains charms, as well as written fortunes inside the cake. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It doesn't, Sounds 
good. It sounds really good. Looking at it, it doesn't look like anything on the outside. Hmm. Terribly exciting. But it but sounds like it's really, cool. really tasty on yeah. the inside. And in Greece, in Cyprus, the Ves- oh, good Lord, I'm going to kill this. Vasilopita uh, is traditionally served on New Year's Day and closely resembles the French galette, traditional French galette. It's round and flat with almonds on top that sometimes denote the year. Like they'd write the, the year in numbers on top or mm. Greek numbers. Uh, Vasilopita also usually has a coin baked into it, so mm. be very careful yeah. when chomping into your next year's Vasilopita. Yeah. So that's kind of it for king cake. No real fun facts to like list afterwards because I baked them all into the episode. Uh, Laura is not thrilled. <laughs> that's also the second time I said that in as many minutes because I did it off microphone and was very upset that I didn't say it into the microphone. Uh, everyone's got to hear my bad jokes. That's just the rule of the show. All right. So that's that's the episode. That is King Cake and nice. Mardi Gras, how they tie together, the, where King Cake comes from. Uh, I feel like we got the, shook the rust off a little bit for the, yeah. the first episode of yeah, season two so. here. Yeah. It was a good one. Yeah, it was good fun. to start with. Now I'm excited for- Walking uh, down memory lane. Walking down memory lane, thinking about mm, King Cake. King Cake and fun and traveling places and seeing people. Oh, those <laughs> were the days. Someday. Those were the days. Those were the days. <laughs> Just going to hang on a little longer. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. And you can follow us on Instagram at where did this come from pod. So it's at where did this come from underscore pod. Uh, we'll post updates on our upcoming shows and mini episodes. Mini sods. Mini sods. Sorry, that sounds weird to say. <laughs> mini sods. But yeah, that's, that's I'm saying it right. Okay. It's a made-up word anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> as well. Uh, uh, thanks again, everybody. Uh, have a wonderful week. Stay healthy. Be well. And we'll see you next time on Where Did This Come From? Laissez les bon temps rouler.